a black executive perspective. Look, man, they didn't get a chance to play chess. They had to play checkered. Let's talk about it, T. Openly and honestly. There was a lot of smart kids there. A black executive perspective. Now, my story's not unique. There's thousands of professionals of color who have experiences like mine. A black executive perspective. Whether you're aware of it or not, it's a topic that is often avoided. We'll discuss race and how it plays a factor and how we didn't even talk about this topic because we were afraid. A black executive perspective. In this episode, Authenticity and Assimilation, Tony Tidbit and friends discuss professional standards. So many times, Black executives find themselves at the crossroads of being themselves and accommodating the professional standard. But unfortunately, many professional standards are rooted in old and problematic ideologies that only serve white men in the C-suite. Therefore, Black leaders are often expected to accommodate these standards, uplifting harmful biases in order to achieve success. Welcome to a Black Executive Perspective podcast, a safe space where we discuss all matters related to race, especially race in corporate America. I'm your host, Tony Tidbit, and I've climbed the corporate ladder for 35 years, so I'm ready to sit down, address these, break down these barriers, and address the topic of race in the workplace. So from the beginning of time, we avoided the conversation of race at work. We didn't, we were afraid to have these open and honest conversations. And by doing that, that has not brought the races together. It's only divided the races. So our mission here is to have these uncomfortable conversations with the goal of educating, learning, inspiring, and eventually hopefully bringing everyone together as one race, the human race. So in each episode, we're going to sit down with compelling storytellers to hear their unique experiences, their challenges, and their triumphs on their pathway to success. In today's episode, we're going to dive in into authenticity and assimilation. One of the areas we struggle as we go into corporate America is trying to assimilate to a corporate structure, but at the same time, trying to be our authentic selves, which we have a lot of challenges in learning how to do that. So our our guest today, Sarissa Thrower, is basically going to help us understand this dynamic. She's going to talk about the differences between assimilation and accommodation, the power of authenticity, and achieving success without harmful compromise. So Sarissa is a strategic communicator, excuse me, let me back up. Sarissa Thrower is head of communications for Matter of Fact, a growing clinical skincare brand launched in 2021. She's a strategic communication and reputation management expert with more than 17 years of public relations, media training, image management, and executive leadership experience. Over the years, she developed countless strategic storytelling and narrative campaigns for some of the world's top brands and companies, including Disney, L'Oreal, Instagram, and more. Sarissa describes herself as a media and content obsessive and a proud Angelino. And in her spare time, she enjoys live events, urban exploration, casual observation, 
sparkling wine, and the internet. Okay, which is wow. That's a that's a big broad uh, 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 set of things right there. Sarissa, <laughs> welcome to a Black Executive Perspective podcast. Thank you, Tony. I'm very happy to be here. Hearing my bio read like that, I don't know. I might need to make some tweaks, some changes. <laughs> Listen, I I think um, you're very accomplished, and you know, obviously, you know, this is why we wanted to chat with you because you know you have an expertise in terms of you know dealing with assimilation and obviously authenticity. So we want to yeah. definitely educate our audience today on these things and how we can better navigate corporate America and still be you know our authentic selves. But before we get yeah. into that, I want to get a little bit about your background, okay? So just tell us a little bit where you're from, family, the whole nine yards. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Southern California, um, where I still reside. And I like to tell people I got it right the first time. I'm very much someone who enjoys the sunshine, enjoys being near the coast, and uh, a self-proclaimed city girl of sorts, which is why I love Los Angeles uh, so much. Although Los Angeles in and of itself is a fairly unique approach to city living, I will say. As you mentioned, I've, I've been doing what I do for a living for closing in on two decades. Uh, I think it's my bio was written, it was 17 years, now it's 18, uh, 2005. And one of the things I think um, that has struck me the most, especially, you know, now that I've got a few years behind me uh, in, in this arena is, as you mentioned, that dichotomy between assimilation and accommodation. Mm -hmm. So much of what we experience as Black executives, of, as people of color, uh, culturally, in our personal lives and in lives outside of work does not necessarily fit into the idea of what an executive or what a leader, especially in corporate America can be. However, the perspective that we bring to the table in terms of those experiences um, can be really, really valuable in terms of helping organizations approach internal culture, external uh, culture, and of course the bottom line, the business. So. That is something that I've sort of focused on crystallizing um, over the past, I would say, I really started to become aware of it maybe the past 10 or 15 years mm -hmm. out of my career. Um, because we're also just not taught that in school, you know, even, even when your parents highlight education and, mm -hmm. and getting a good job and the need to, you know, make good money, et cetera, it, the, the, the internal workings of that aren't necessarily always made clear. So I spent a lot of time in my career thinking about this sort of thing. But beyond that, like I said, as you mentioned, um, I did, uh, urban exploration, you, you looked a little like, what does that mean when I when, when you read that out loud? Uh, I just wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit. So Please do. It's basically, it's basically hiking. That's what okay. that is. Okay, <laughs> oh, oh my God. Is that what it is? You know, you know what that reminds me of is like a, right. a, a, a drug dealer telling me I'm a pharmaceutical, you know, distributor. <laughs> All right. Exactly so that's what we, that's exactly we even what got. We even got high class words for hiking. All right. All right. So look, I'm learning. Yeah, on on BEP, you yeah. learn new things. So guess what? I just learned something today on BEP. Thank you, Sarissa. <laughs> Happy to be of service. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Um, obviously, you have a superpower. We all do as human beings. So the question I would ask you, what superpower you wish that you had? I was actually just talking to a friend about this yesterday. And one of the things that I've had to kind of learn and internalize over my life that doesn't come 
naturally to me at all is this idea of vulnerability, which I think also kind of ties into this conversation mm. too. Letting people get close to you, letting them know things about you, right? Uh, you know, revealing your soft underbelly of sorts uh, has always been something that I have made deeply uncomfortable by, if I'm being completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and vulnerability in and of itself has incredible value. I think as a society, we don't really talk enough about the power of vulnerability and mm-hmm. how even in the context of business, it can it can really help connect you to your colleagues, to your clients, to the people that you're working with. Um, some of my best friends in the world, I met through the context of my job. And you don't get to a place where you have those kinds of relationships without being willing to share something right. of who you are. So that is the power I do not possess, but I'm getting better every day. <laughs> I, I, there you go. You're working on it, right? You're working on it, yeah. right? Okay. We're going to yeah, claim that. Absolutely. All right. And yeah. then my last one is who had the most influence in your life? Mm, I'd say probably my dad. Okay. Yeah, and why? In terms of, uh, well, there's a couple reasons. My dad, uh, so I'm a first generation American. Um, my my family immigrated from uh, Panama and Jamaica, respectively. Okay. Um, and in our household, education was always emphasized mm-hmm. really, really heavily. So it was never a question of whether I was going to, you know, go to school and, and be successful, quote unquote. Um, it was just a matter of timing. And I think as a young person, it just mostly feels like pressure and being annoyed. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm realizing again now as an adult and having some level of experience behind me, uh, how incredibly important the lessons that specifically my dad taught me are in, again, relating to other people, in how to present uh, myself, in how to stand up for myself Mm. in certain contexts, uh, where to kind of draw the line, boundaries, things like that. And those things have come in so incredibly handy in every area of my life. But I think a lot of people struggle with, uh, you know, really try to find the right word, identifying and mastering that boundary between, you know, who they are as a person and who they are in other areas of their life, like who you are and who you think you are, right? Uh, particularly in business and in the corporate workplace. So true. So true. You know, that's been, that was a struggle for me throughout my life. So I can definitely relate to that. And that's why we're here today. So we're going to dive into assimilation and authenticity. So Sarissa, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Let's talk about it. So one of the things, like I said, I want to keep this real simple because I, you know, obviously we're going to build up and talk about a lot of, you know, very complex things, but you know, how do you find, define authenticity? I think it can have multiple definitions. Mm -hmm. I think when you're talking about it, uh, again, through the lens of work and uh, business, it mostly just means making people comfortable enough uh, to trust you and Mm -hmm. trust what you're saying. You have a read of authenticity. If you seem like a genuine person, oftentimes, I hate to admit it, but I think this is my PR person speaking. Sometimes that's enough. Like, I don't think you actually have to be authentic to seem authentic. And I think that's something that a lot of the people who have kind of come up, I work in the world of, you know, digital creators and influencers. Mm -hmm. I think those people, actors, talent, et cetera, like those people have mastered that. I think, you know, us regular human beings, again, using air quotes, uh, sort of struggle with the idea of, again, where 
authenticity meets that professionalism. Mm -hmm. Um, Being authentic means telling the truth. Um, And not just your truth from your perspective, but trying to be objective in the truth, Um, but also showing up as, again, just a human being, Um, empathy, all of those characteristics, all of those qualities, creating grace in a space for people, being, again, believable, I think is is really the crux of it and consistent, consistently in in that sort of energy. Got it. Got it. Same question for assimilation. How would you define it? Falling in line, adherence to the status quo. That one's pretty straightforward, I think. <laughs> I think uh, you know, you see, you see the other soldiers marching, and you you you, you get into rank. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So let yeah. me let me let me paint a picture here. I want to share a, a, one of my experiences, and you know, yeah. maybe we can use me as uh, um, as a a, a a patient here. Okay. And this was years ago. Case, earlier. A case study. Yeah. Case study. <laughs> Thank you. And we, this was years ago, earlier in my career. So I remember I was working at this organization and, you know, I was, I'm in the sales industry, right? So I was working at this organization and um, my boss, who is white, and him and I are really tight today, right? At that time, I really didn't like him because he would push me. When I look back, he was saw something in me and he was pushing me outside of my comfort zone, right? But at that time frame, I really didn't like him. Okay, so now I'm coming into corporate America to your point. I'm trying to assimilate in this corporate structure. Everybody's wearing suits. Everybody's dressed up. Everybody's, you know, walking and talking, you know, pretty much the same. You know, there's a certain etiquette. Right now, I'm a kid, you know, and I'm not I wasn't really young then. But, you know, I'm a guy from Detroit, Michigan. You know, I'm a, a, a touchy feely type individual. I, I, I connect to people on an emotional level. So, but me and my boss, <clears throat> he would say to me, and I remember him saying this, Hey, Tony, I want you to basically talk like this, or I want you to be like this right now. Guess what? I want to grow in corporate America. Okay. I want to be able to move up. So what do I do? I try to act like him. Now, let me give you an example. Have you ever seen the movie um, um, Trading Places with Eddie Murphy? Okay. Yeah. All right. So let me, give you the, let me give you the distinction. He's Winthrop, and I'm Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Does that help? Does that help from an illustration it's, standpoint? It's, it's the picture for me. Judy. Okay. Great. 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 So he's Winthrop. Right. So I'm trying to be Winthorpe. And I remember going to a meeting with him. We're in a conference room, meeting with an advertising agency. And I'm trying to be him. And I stumble. I, 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 I was so nervous. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. Right. And I, I tried and I really did, because what did I want to do? I wanted to assimilate. However, yeah. on my own, I just came to a point. I was like, I can't do that. I have to be me. I have to be who I naturally am. Here's the thing. Once I started being me, I got promoted. He promoted me to sales manager, right? So so that was something I had to learn. Now, I still had to be me, but also at the same time incorporate some of the things from the corporate structure. 
but still be my authentic self. So I love to hear your, 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 you know, as a case study, all right, because I'm a case study. Yeah. I love to hear your yeah. thoughts on that because I'm pretty sure, you know, there's other individuals who've experienced this. And then, you know, obviously we're going to have younger individuals who are just starting to navigate corporate America yeah. and they're going to run into this issue. As you were talking, I like was jotting down just a couple of thoughts. So the interesting thing that I, you know, again, only recently have begun, begun to formulate the language and understanding around as it relates to, again, specifically corporate America and those kinds of environments like the one that you described, is that corporate America is a high context environment, meaning there's a lot of unsaid things that go on that everyone in the environment understands, but people who are not naturally or necessarily part of that environment understand. And, uh, you know, I, I know in the, in the prep seat doc, we talked about no politics, so this isn't political, but what I will say is that corporate America is modeled after what we generally perceive to be like the default culture, which frankly in America is, is white culture. Mm -hmm. So the way that people communicate, um, the way that people sort of interact with each other on an emotional level, on a human to human level, the default is, you know, white culture. Now, what I mean by that is that, you know, uh, we we look at things like emotional expression, um, politeness, mm -hmm. uh, niceness, et cetera, all of those things that happen in the context of an office environment or business environment where you're expected to sort of stiff up or lip your way through everything. Um, that isn't always the reality because people are human beings and they go through things. The other thing is, again, it doesn't account for or make allowances for your cultural experience as an individual. Right. And that's not to say that no one else has ever had the same kind of experience that you have had, Tony, uh, coming from Detroit, being a black man uh, in that kind of environment, not necessarily having models or examples of what it was like to kind of wear a suit and speak a certain way. Exactly. Um, but, but what I will say about that is that, and you found this out, I think the things that sort of set you apart and make you an anomaly in those kinds of environments, like there's a reason why they hired you. There's a reason why they brought you on. And that energy uh, that you brought to the table informs the way that you approach your business too. The other thing I think is that we, uh, and pretty much every company, every major company I've worked with uh, or worked at sort of has this idea that, you know, the product, whatever the product happens to be, whether that's, a movie or a digital web series or an internet platform or whatever uh, needs to appeal to as many people as possible. Right. And I think that was probably the case for a really long time from a business perspective. Well, what we're seeing now, I think, just from um, a societal level is that specificity is important mm -hmm. and everything isn't for everybody, actually. Correct. Correct. <laughs> um, which I think, which I think is great. I think, you know, it was time for the pendulum to swing every way because people don't want that one size fits all solution for anything anymore. And it actually isn't that much more work to customize whatever the value proposition happens to be. Um, and it creates deeper and more meaningful relationships, whether that's again, with the business or from a person to person. If I have an experience with a product or service that is more tailored to what I actually need as a consumer, I'm actually willing to pay more for that. I'm more likely to have a long-term customer relationship with that product or service, and I'm more likely to recommend it to people. And that's literally across the board. Any kind of product or service that you could think of, just a tiny bit of tailoring to make it, we're seeing it with cosmetics, like everything. Um, even the streaming services and their algorithms and the kind of content they recommend to you, that level of personalization actually is really compelling. Um, for a business proposition. When you talked about um, assimilation being a path to success, 
and this is what I was referring to earlier when I when I mentioned that my dad was highly influential. So uh, there was something innate about the way that he sort of fit in, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that I learned. And, you know, he gave me the information about the society that we live in. Meaning mm-hmm. Here's what people will expect of you. Here's how you can model that. But don't lose yourself. Mm. And that's what I was referring to when I talked about the boundaries and things like that. One thing uh, that came up uh, that I wanted to kind of ask you about, Tony, if you don't mind. I know this sure, is your podcast, sure. but I did, I did have a little question. <laughs> no, um, sure. you said, <laughs> now, you said, uh, you know, this this boss, this manager that you had at that time, he would push you and you're now grateful for it. I'm curious as to, you know, what caused that breakthrough Uh in your understanding of how he was trying to communicate to you and also what your, what your sort of transition point was as it related to, you know, you know what, I don't think I could do it this way anymore. I got to do it my own way. Yeah. Excellent question. So, you know, one of the things where I was transitioning from selling local television advertising in, in Boston and in Hartford, Connecticut, and then moving to New York, and now being on Madison Avenue and working with national mm-hmm. agencies and stuff mm-hmm. to that nature, right? And so one of the things I had to transition, I was bringing that local, hey, I'd love to come in and talk to you about some advertising, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And I had yeah. success with that. Very salesy. Right? Very, Very exactly. Yeah. I had success with that, right? So now I'm going into this corporate structure where everybody's buttoned up. You just can't walk into, yeah. you know, Publicis and all these major agencies, right? Yep. So, so he was, you know, he didn't come out and say that, but he was trying to take the rough edges off, right? Now, okay. as a human being, what do we do? We we push back when we're get become uncomfortable, right? I was comfortable doing one thing and think and thought that that comfortability, that the way I was a, approaching it would work in all things. It wouldn't, right? And here's the thing, you go back to what was the distinction? My mother taught me when I was a kid that no matter what you do, you do it 100%. You give 100% effort. So when I would put together reports and stuff for him, and then I thought, you know, in my mind, I thought I had, you know, really did this well. And then he would bring it back to me and say, no, this is wrong, this and that. I would get mad, but I still remember in the back of my mind, do it 100%. And then when I redid it, I looked at it, and he was right. Okay? He was right. Yeah. So I was like, wow. Now, these, these are conversations that are just happening inside my head. I'm not talking to anybody about it, blah, blah, blah. So then from there, then I wanted to buy in to trying to assimilate and try to be him. Although, to your point, I'm my own unique individual. So I had to be me, but at the same time, be buttoned up. So take those things that he taught me and apply it to my unique self. And when I did that, that's when I got the success that I was looking for. So did that answer your question? Yeah, it just sounds like ego integration, basically, what you're talking about. (laughs) When you are able to kind of see past, you know, the immediate offense of being told that you're not doing something right, and be like, well, they might have a point. And then through that sort of evolution, you're able to kind of take it to the next level. I love that. I've experienced that myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, one of the things, so how would you recommend that other executives who move into, 
you know, corporate America. And let's be fair too, right, Sarissa? We all have our own baggage that we come in with. We are not just being because we're people of color, but also we're sensitive. We may not have a lot of confidence. Um, This may be our first job. We want to do all the right things. We are perfectionists. All the things that make us up as human beings, right? And then now we walk through the door. And it's a different world today, right? Where, you know, now people are hybrid. Um, so they may not get that sense of understanding the ropes. And then to your point, yeah. there's, you learn a lot of what's not said versus that's what's said. So in other words, you learn it by osmosis. Yeah. So how would you, <laughs> how you're, would, you're right, you're right. You learn it by osmosis, right? So how would yeah. you recommend that people, because every, at the end of the day, you said something, and this is backing up what you said a minute ago. You said something, hey, they hired you for a reason. And sometimes we forget that. We get caught up in all the minutia. We forget, wait a minute, they hired me out of all these other individuals. So they must see some type of confidence that I have. But our head, once we get in our head, we're down the rabbit hole. So how do we help these individuals? What would you recommend to navigate to find a balance in terms of assimilation and also being their authentic selves? There's a couple of thoughts I have there that you kind of touched on in a few different ways. Uh, I mentioned high context culture. So corporate America, high context culture, that's basically what you're talking about is learning by osmosis. No one's going to tell you that you made a mistake or that someone, something that you, you did is perceived as rude by, or, you know, abrasive or whatever by others. Um, but you will know when people stop reacting positively to you. <laughs> that's true. And that's, 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 that's the rub. Um, you don't know about the mistake until you make the mistake. Uh, there's a term, I think it's a sociological term, ask culture versus guess culture. Corporate America is sometimes a hybrid of the two. Ask culture is where you essentially are asking, like, can I have a sip of your water? Uh, are you going to finish those French fries? Guess culture is more passive. It's more like, well, I would really love a French fry as you are sitting right next to that person mm-hmm. eating a plate of French fries. Um, I can't even tell you the number of times that I've experienced that sort of guest culture, high context energy and been aware of it. And like, I, I am, I'm an ask person and I am a low context person in, in most cases, meaning I, I kind of, what you see is what you get, right? unless otherwise noted. And I don't really like, I view that as like playing games, basically. To me, it feels a little, it feels inauthentic to be like, oh, I would really love a fry. I wish I had fries. Like, well, then go buy some. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or, <laughs> or you can ask me, or you can ask me for some, but say what you have to say, essentially. Um, what I would say in terms of tips for finding that sweet spot where, you know, you're accepted because it's a part of assimilation is wanting to be accepted. Correct. Not necessarily giving up, giving up your identity a hundred percent. I don't think that's required, especially in today's world. You mentioned, you know, I, I I'm a fully remote employee mm-hmm. um, at my current company and it suits me just fine. But what I will say is that like, if I had started out this way at the beginning of my career, I don't know that I would have, again, the friendships that I have, the connections that I've made, because you do need to be out in the world meeting people. So the shift in work culture uh, that was brought on largely, you know, by the pandemic is definitely going to change the way that the workplace looks and feels 
in the very near future because you know the youngest people in the workforce now the the, the oldest people as part of that generation i think are like 20 correct correct ish like gen, gen z is like 25 at their oldest um a couple more years they're going to start to be managing leading organizations they're already founders and ceos that are in that age range so the way that they're setting up their business and their culture is entirely different from even, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years older, 15 years older than them. Um, it's, it's entirely different than it was when I was that age. And that's actually not that much time from a working perspective because it was the way it was for a really long time. Um, what I will say is that as it relates to your specific question of, again, that sweet spot, I would lead with the authenticity first because, mm. and this, you know, this might be a controversial thought, but I don't want to be in any organization that wouldn't have me. I don't want to be a member of any club that I won't belong in. I think of, um, have you, have you seen Succession? Have you ever watched the show? I haven't. I, you know, everybody beats me over the head. <laughs> Tony, you got to watch it. It's awesome. Right. So I haven't. So it's, it's over now. So you could, you could, you could I, can, I can, I can binge it. I can binge it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think it's actually a pretty accurate and realistic uh, example of what we're talking about here in terms of high context, low context culture, ask culture versus guest culture. And there's a lot of like likes and uh and yeah, yeahs on, on phone calls and in meetings, but everybody knows what those likes and uhs and yeah, yeahs mean because they're all part of that culture, which brings me to my point in answering this question. You have to learn to speak the language. Yeah. It may, it may not be your native language, but you need to know what people are saying, basically. Even if you choose not to participate in the conversation, which you have the right to do. Right. Even if you don't even, even if you don't care, even if you're not really interested, the way that our society works now in terms of like needing to get your bills paid and needing to be able to provide for yourself, your family, whatever, uh, is heavily dependent on understanding that even if you aren't necessarily interested in being part of that club learning to speak the language of the members of it is going to take you a lot further. And uh, this, my, my dad used to say this, you don't have to bring everyone home for meatloaf. Uh, you there, I know people who go to work and they're like perfectly lovely at work. They're really nice people. And then, you know, you happen to catch them outside of work and they're like, we, these people are not my friends. Right. And I actually admire, I, my, I admire that ability uh, to kind of do that. To separate. Because to separate. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a skill set that you can build if you're interested in doing that. I'm not as good at that. I, I can kind of do what's, you know, for your, for your listeners, what's called code switching, um, just in terms of showing up in a specific way in a specific context, but it's emotionally exhausting. It is, it is, me. it is my girl. And, and listen, yeah. you, 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 when you talk about code switching and that's a, we're going to have you come back to talk about that. Cause that's a whole nother <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. But it factors into this conversation in terms of like the assimilation and you have to, you know, it's the language. And and it's what our people have been very good at doing, right? Mm -hmm. I call us chameleons. We can, you know, come in and out of any type of situation. Um, So I totally agree with you. My final question is this, from an organization. So if we're chatting with the... Uh, 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 you know, they now they call them CPOs, you know, chief people officers mm. and stuff to that nature, yeah. right? I've heard that. I've yeah, heard I mean, that. they just make it, they're just trying to get more jobs on that time. Chief, <laughs> whatever, like, right? Like of, you know, chief food right? officer, right? <laughs> chief is everything's a chief now, right? But we're talking yeah. to the head, of, it used to be just head of resource, human resources, now it's chief mm-hmm, people officer. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking yep. to those individuals, what advice would you give them to make their environment? 
more inclusive, where people, because your advice that you gave is come in first from an authentic standpoint and then learn yeah. the assimilation, learn the language yeah. along the way. So typically yeah. we do it the other way. We come in trying yeah. to assimilate and then hopefully we start letting ourselves open up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what, what no. would just for our listeners for this final question, what recommendations would you give in terms of, you know, uh, how companies can be able to help people be able to do that? The, the issue that I per- perceive with coming in sort of as a blank slate and then sort of trying to show up as you are is that it, it doesn't really allow for error, meaning who who you are always has to match the idea of who people think you are right. in that context for acceptance purposes in order to belong again this is you know this is a basic sociological understanding it's much harder to establish a perception whether that's one of assimilation or not and then do a quick reverse so it's actually going to cause less friction again from that sociological standpoint to come in frankly, a little bit rough around the edges to come in as the person who makes the off-color jokes, to come in as the person uh, with the weird sense of humor, to come in as the person who's always a little bit teary-eyed, et cetera. And then you work your way back from that toward acceptability, toward assimilation, than it is to start out as someone who never shows anything at all, who people can't get a read on, who's very much, again, that blank slate. Mm -hmm. And then, and then start to be the teary-eyed person or the person that makes the weird jokes. Like it, it, it kind of makes people like, that's not who I thought you were. Whereas if you're a little bit unpredictable at the beginning, you can work your way back into predictability. And then people will be like, oh, that's just, that's just Tony. That's yeah, good old Tony. That's a, that's a good point. But yes. So that's, that's the reason why I have the position that I have on this particular topic. Um, as it relates to advice I would give to HR professionals about the, 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 the I mean, chief I, people <laughs> officer, right? I mean, you kidding me. The chief, <laughs> the chief people, the chief culture officers having, again, having worked in the environments I've worked with doing the job that I do communications, a lot of communications um, at big corporations does involve internal communications, which we work with uh, HR very closely for. I've also worked again at these organizations that during 2020, I mean, we all, we all, everyone who's here right now lived through that. Um, and if you had a corporate job at that time, you remember some of the stuff that was going on, some of the dialogue that was happening. Yeah. Again, I, I, I have some interesting points of view on this. This might be controversial, but I think if you have an organization that cannot authentically and realistically accommodate the promises that you're making to people who uh, are not interested in or able to assimilate, then you shouldn't make them. Right. Meaning up until the point that, you know, basically it becomes illegal. If you like to have a certain type of person in your organization, if you are looking for certain types of schools, et cetera, I think that should be made very clear. We talk a lot right now about fairness and equity and uh, creating space uh, for people who maybe didn't have the same opportunities. I think the Supreme Court's affirmative action ruling Mm -hmm. made it very clear that you know, a pendulum is swinging one way. I'm not sure where things are going, but I think people are owed the right to know that they are entering an environment that will be hostile to them if that's what's going to happen. Right. And I think it is the onus of the company and the the people, the leadership at the company, including HR, to to be as transparent about that, to be authentic about that, basically on their end. Um, and people can still choose to do it. You know. Again, if you are Black in America at a certain time, if you're a person of color in America, every organization that you entered was pretty much hostile territory. My There's no question about that. There's no question. Yeah, my dad spoke about that a lot. So 
what I will say about that is that it didn't necessarily stop him from trying. Exactly. And it hasn't stopped me from trying. And Tony, I would guess that it hasn't stopped you from trying. No. And what I think happens with that authentically is that people come in and they realize like, oh, we actually need different points of view. So the, the way that that organization changes and evolves is organic, if not perfect. It will always be a challenge to kind of have that, again, integrative sort of uh, energy happening. And it's very interesting to me that, you know, the Civil Rights Act was like 1964, 65, and we're still like, we're still, not even okay. 60 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, like the people that were around then are still around now and are still, and like, we're still, know, yeah, uh, I mean, still in the workplace. but yeah, but it's again, it's just, it's a separate conversation, but I think, um, being direct about that it is, is again, as, as transparent about that as you can, that is, as is legally permissible, uh, will help people make informed decisions about how they want to show up. And that's where personal safety kind of comes in as well, feeling emotionally and personally safe in the environment that you're in. So just tell the truth. If you don't really like a certain type of person working there, be straightforward about that. Even if they're good, even if they're qualified, let them make the decision. Right, right. Well, Sarissa, really appreciate your insight and knowledge. And, and, and just to recap, you, you provided some really good nuggets here you know, for our audience, you know, Hey, come in, be yourself. Start off with that, right? Learn the ropes. Okay. Learn the language. Be open to that. Have your head on a swivel, right? At the end of the day, there's going to have to be some massaging from both sides, right? But you're not going to be successful the way the company is looking for you to be successful. And more importantly, how you're looking to be successful if you're not your authentic self. All that being said, there's still a ton of stuff you still need to learn as well. So you got to be open to that as well, right? And if you can bring those two things together, nine times out of 10, things are going to work themselves out. Would you agree with that, Sarissa? I would absolutely agree with that, 100%. Well, listen, I want to thank you for your passion, your intellect, your enthusiasm, your expertness on this topic, because this is something that a lot of people deal with and they will continue to deal with. Right. So, and hopefully we can have you come back to a black executive perspective podcast to give us some more insights. But the final question I want to ask you is how can we help you? Oh, wow. I wasn't expecting to get that question. (laughs) I wasn't going to ask you first, but I was like, "Ah, I might as well ask. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) Um, You know, I think um, uh, just, I I guess this is my opportunity to to plug what I I have. Exactly. Um, Thank you for setting me up today. I really appreciate it. Um, You know, I'm not really out in these streets. I'll be honest with you. I I kind of, I, I like to mind my business and keep to myself. I don't know if you pick that up about me, but the company I worked for is a great uh, clinical skincare brand. Um, we actually just launched a new product yesterday and announced that we'll be in Sephora uh, on August 8th online. So check out matteroffact.com. Can, can you tell us the brand? Can you tell us the brand? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, called, it's called Matter of Fact. Matter of Fact. Um, it's a clinical matter of fact, literally just like, like it's a matter of fact, like matter of fact. Okay, cool. Um, clinical skincare brand. And like I said, you'll be able to check us out. Uh, uh, you can currently buy us direct from our website, matteroffact.com, but Sephora, August 8th, online.com. Just in general, uh, you know, if people have questions. If they want to know more about my perspectives on HR and assimilation, they can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm 
Sarissa Thrower. I should pop right. I think I might be the only one on there. Which is rare, right? Because, you know, you look up a John Smith, you got a thousand of them. Yeah, right. You give up. I ain't forget it. I'll I'll, I'll reach out to him by carrier pigeon or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Some of us are the lucky ones, Tony. Um, And uh, I really appreciate you having me on. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, Pleasure to hear your insights and learn. And uh, I will absolutely be listening to your other guests and your podcast as it goes on. Well, the pleasure is all ours, right? We really appreciate you investing the time to chat with our audience and educating them about assimilation and authenticity. And more importantly, we're family now. So if there's anything that I can do for you from a LinkedIn, hey, Tony, do you know this individual, blah, 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 don't hesitate to let me know, all right? And we wish you nothing but massive success. And we're going to look up your new skincare brand, matter of fact, when it comes out. All right. Now, just real quick. Is it good for, you know, African-American skin? You know, because I'm, I'm, I got real sensitive. You know what I'm saying? I can't just put anything on my face. I understand. I use it myself. Men, women, uh, range of skin tones, uh, range of ages, whatever your concerns. It is highly likely. All right. You heard that first here on BEP. (laughs) All right. So if somebody break out, it ain't my fault. (laughs) All right. But I don't think so. We can look Sarissa up. All right. Well, thanks, Sarissa. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of a Black Executive Perspective podcast. Guess what? It's time for Tony's tidbit. And the tidbit today is authenticity is about being true to who you are even when everyone around you wants you to be someone else. And that's by Michael Jordan. And as you heard today in our session with Larissa Thrower, it's really about bringing your authentic self because at the end of the day, that's all you have is you. And obviously the world may want you to change. And yes, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to incorporate. But at the end of the day, there's only one you. And that person is the person that the company hired. That person is the person that the company is looking forward to growing in their organization. And the only way that's going to happen and for you to have that success, you have to be you. So hopefully you got some great nuggets today from our guest, Sarissa Thrower. And hopefully we're looking forward to you coming back and tuning in to another episode of a Black Executive Perspective podcast where we're going to dive into all other topics like CRT. Is DEI working? Is corporate America keeping their promise? Let's find out. So make sure you do not want to miss none of these episodes. You can follow a Black Executive Perspective podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also follow us at www.ablackexecutiveperspective.com and as well as on Twitter and on Instagram at bepodcast.com. I'm Tony Tidbit. We're out. Come back and let's talk about it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Tony Tidbit, a Black Executive Perspective, and for joining in today's conversation. With every story we share, every conversation we foster, and every barrier we address, we can ignite the sparks that bring about lasting change. And this carries us one step closer to transforming the face of corporate America. If today's episode resonated with you, consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts 
Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share this episode with your circle, and with your support, we can reach more people and tell more stories.